you. You can be seated. It's a joy to be with you. And uh, if we know each other of old, hello. If uh, this is the first time we've met, it's good to meet you. And uh, often I'm involved in Portsmouth and traveling, so I don't get to be around the other congregations as much as I'd like to. But it's a joy to be with you today. And uh, myself and Gina, we're the senior pastors of Family Church, and we have a privilege of uh, leading Family Church and enjoying watching what God is doing everywhere we've planted our feet. Amen. And it's a joy to see what God's doing in Haven. So thankful for your pastors, Steve and Kirsty, and uh, the fine job that they do in raising leaders and uh, leading you in to all that God's got for you. We're thankful for each of the pastors, aren't we, and leaders within Family Church. These are exciting times that we're living in times where we want to be precise and we want to be uh, knowing where we're heading in God. And I'm so thankful for a leadership team that enables us to be able to lead strong in the direction of God. Amen. Brilliant. Um, uh, This morning uh, I was in the kitchen with with Gina. I just think this is relative to someone. Um, And I dream a lot. God communicates a lot to me through dreams. My dream life can be more real sometimes than, than when I'm awake. Um, and Gina as well, um, and she, she said, I had a strange dream. She said, in this dream, I, was, um, I suddenly looked, and I think it was me and her, were, there were all these red cables and ribbons coming off of us, and there was like these horrible noises coming from the end of these, these red ribbons, like these red ribbons. She said, these red ribbons were everywhere. And she said, I could hear these horrible noises and these threatening noises. Um, she said, so I started pulling the ribbons in. And she said, and when I pulled the ribbons in, they were like these big fluffy marshmallows with cute faces and big mouths making a lot of noise. And she said, it was so funny. She said, I almost grabbed the cheek and went, you're cute, aren't you? You're cute. And I just sense that that could be a word for somebody, that, that the enemy is trying to get fear into your life. There's a verse in the Bible that says, and when you see him, you will say, is that it, of the enemy? And we need to understand we're on the winning side. God is with us. God is in us. But don't be scared to pull in some of those ribbons and take a look, because you'll find that they're not that scary because they're under the authority of Christ. Amen. And I just thought that was a great dream that Gina shared. But as we were worshipping, I thought that was for someone. Maybe you're feeling threatened. Maybe you're feeling, um, you know, fear trying to get on you. It's noise. If you drag it in, you'll see that at the end. And she said it was really kind of, kind of comical when she pulled them in. She said they were like these big fluffy marshmallows um, with big mouths that were going. And she, and she said, I wanted to grab its cheek and go, you're a cute little thing, aren't you? Uh, I think that's a healthier perspective of dealing with the enemy than one that people walk in terror and fear of him. Amen. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. Amen. God in you is greater than anyone and anything that can come against you. So I just hope that encourages your heart. Um, hey, isn't this brilliant, this, this, um, this magazine that was released this year? So thankful for the hard work. And um, I know that Steve put a lot of hard work into that. And you get a free pin-up of, of Stuart. I mean, what more could you want for a Sunday morning than uh, to be able to see that glowing, smiling face on your kitchen table? I mean, we try to provide everything that you need 
for life and godliness there. Um, <clears throat> I want to encourage your hearts today and stay in theme with what we've been talking about, discipleship, and our vision for um, our mission to remain rooted. I love that word, rooted. Now, our heart and mission this year across the congregations in everything that we do is to see lives become more rooted in their walk with the Lord. I honestly believe that when you look around at society, we really should be asking questions like, is Jesus coming soon? And if he is coming soon, which I believe that he is, then we've got a responsibility, like Stuart put so well, to get the people into the ark. We can't be playing Christian games anymore. We've got to get as many people into the ark before he returns as we can. But also, we need to understand that we have a commitment to get the bride ready for collection. That we're the bride of Christ. Amen. Don't be offended if you're a butch male and you're like, I don't know bride. No, no, we're, <coughs> we're all the bride of Christ. Amen. And Jesus Christ is coming back for a glorious bride. That means that we need to, as well as be bringing people into the ark of salvation, we need to be saying, God, I'm going to be the disciple that you've called me to be. I'm going I'm to let your Holy Spirit be working in me, your word working in me. And I really sense in family church a real passion for this at the time. So what do we mean by rooted? We want to see our lives and your lives rooted in their personal walk with God. That church isn't something you come to on Sunday um, it may have been that, but all of a sudden it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It, it, it's who you are as a person. Rooted in your knowledge of the word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there's other verses that say that, that people were held in restraint and suffer because of lack of knowledge. And many Christians, sadly, don't walk in the kingdom authority or enjoy the kingdom life that God intended because they don't know the word. They don't know what to stand on. They don't know what to use as a sword that's defensive but also offensive against the plans of the enemy. So this year we want to see people um, rooted in their knowledge of the word. That's why I love the discipleship hub. That's really exciting, eh? Again, a lot of hard work went into that. Uh, Steve didn't just narrate it. He also pretty much put that whole thing together and we're so thankful for that we also want to see people rooted in life of his body the church you see the church is called many things but its primary name is the body of christ jesus christ is the head of the church he will always be the head of the church but you see he says that the church is his body on the earth when we begin to think that way we move away from an attendance way of thinking of visiting something to saying i'm a part of that I'm a part of that. I'm a part of his body, the church. Now, walking true to our commission is to have a passion to make disciples. But we can't make what we're not. We have to have that commitment to be disciples and, and, and a passion to make disciples. Now, what do we mean by that? We don't just want to see converts, though we do. We want to see converts become followers of Christ. Because when they become followers of Christ, they see their lives transformed, not just saved. Don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for every person that received Christ on their deathbed. But it kind of gives my heart more excitement when I meet people that discovered Christ, encountered Christ, and then spent the rest of their days 
growing in who he was in them and they were in him. Now, when you read the Great Commission um, from the Amplified, it colors this in a little bit more. It says, go therefore and make disciples, the great go mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Notice how it says, go and make disciples, not converts. You have to make converts before you make disciples. You can't make pots if you haven't got clay. But the agenda of God isn't just conversion, it's discipleship. That people would know God in this life, not just the one to come. Now it says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I love this, it says, help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. So our commission given by the Lord Jesus Christ is to bring people to a point of conversion and then teach them how to love, believe, and obey. You know, a lot of people like the word grace as their favorite Christian word. When you've walked with the Lord a few years, you understand the best word that you can have is obedience. As we walk in obedience to his word, that releases incredible things. Amen. So we're choosing the road of the fisherman, not the thief. If that doesn't make sense, listen to the vision video from a couple of weeks ago. But the book of Luke reveals two experiences of Jesus that are both very powerful. You have that thief experience. And obviously his experience of God on the earth was time limited because he was dying next to Jesus on a cross. His moments were few. And you read this incredible account of this man that had uh, had done so much wrong, he deserved crucifixion. And he's next to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, in those closing moments of life, the thief on the other side begins to mock Jesus. Save yourself. Get yourself down here. Hey, king of the Jews, what's all that about? And all of a sudden, the other um, thief that we don't know what his walk or his belief in God had been, um, he suddenly says, leave him alone. He's done nothing wrong. And in a couple of statements, acknowledges the kingship and the lordship of Christ and the kingdom of the king and says, remember me. And those are wonderful words, aren't they? I'm so glad that Jesus didn't turn to him and go, you left it too late, Johnny. There's no penance here. You haven't left time for Hail Marys and penance. He said, today, you'll be in paradise with me. And we know that what happened next was he died because they were put to death by broken legs or spears. It was finalized pretty quickly. How awesome for that man to open his eyes and he's in paradise. He must have felt like a turtle on a fence post thinking, I don't know how I got here, but I'm so thankful for the view. Um, He did nothing to deserve it. That's the picture of God's grace. I love that story, but I prefer the story of the fisherman. The fisherman where Jesus um, comes to him, he encounters Jesus and then spends the rest of his life walking with Jesus. And so when he goes to his cross, because both the thief and the fisherman died on crosses, the thing was the fisherman died transformed and changed. But when he went to heaven, he knew God. He knew the purposes of God for his life. He'd lived in the purposes of God. I choose the road of the fisherman over the road of the thief. Now... When we start to talk about discipleship, we're really talking about leaving the crowd experience of God. There's nothing wrong with the crowd experience of God. Most of us found God in a crowd-like experience. We went to church. There were a group of people. We were in a meeting. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that that's not enough. There's something more that God's got for you. Let me tease the FOMO in you. You're missing out. There's something more. Now, we all start, and I've got a couple of slides that kind of picture this. We all start off number one um, over here, where a lot of our Christianity is about when we're in church, when we're at church, when we're around other Christians. 
But that's not how it's meant to remain. We're actually meant to, next slide, be moving from uh, solely a crowd experience of God, but it's about what happens when we go to church, to what's happening in our living rooms and our bedrooms, alone with Jesus in our daily lives. That's the direction of God. That's the pathway of discipleship. And obviously, it's a pathway that keeps going till we see him face to face. I'm not saying today that anyone is extreme crowd or anyone is extreme disciple. I'm saying we're all on that pathway somewhere. Our encouragement this year is take another step, move another inch, away from a crowd experience that's a lot about church attendance alone, into having that, we're not saying leave that, but be working on that personal walk. Does that make sense? Now, one big step I believe that you can take away from a crowd experience is to be a part of a small group, to get into a connect group. Why? Because in connect groups, you connect with the life of the church, not just the experience. So I want to encourage you that if you've not yet joined a small group, get into a small group. Now, the Bible says, here's a great verse, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will they know that you are my disciples, by the love you have one for another. It's hard to love someone you don't know like you could. You can love all people. We're to love our enemies. We're to love those who have done us harm. But the deep love here that makes a world say, man, there's something different about them, is um, a love that comes from people doing life with each other. So I want to encourage you. A big step if you're looking to move is... Get into a small group, get connected. Big plug for those there. Now, um, the big point of what we shared in the vision statement was this whole thought that we want to be disciples and disciples are learners. Amen? Disciples are learners. Now, among the other things, learners and disciples are committed to learning constantly more about him and his kingdom. You know most of you my history educationally. I think the biggest problem with my education at school was I didn't like the subjects. Um, To me, school very much was about my social life and the lessons interfered with that. Um, I did brilliant at drama and cooking. But the others, I struggled. And when I look back, I'm like, I didn't really like the subjects. I didn't get a lot of them. Why do I love to study Jesus? Why do I love to study the kingdom? Why can I not read my Bible enough? Because I love the subject and I love the person. We're believing for that to grow in all of our lives this year, amen? Now, when you look at the word disciple, there's a number of different meanings. Obviously, the word itself involves the word disciplined. But the word, um, the biggest translations you see when you look up the word discipleship is pupils, scholars, and disciplined learners. Come on, Jesus is calling us this year, not just to have a brilliant crowd experience with him, great sing-alongs, go to church, worship with the body, but also in our daily lives to have an exciting, vibrant growth track. Years ago, when I look back on my life, I think I enjoyed the moment in crowds with others more than the personal moments alone with him. I don't know if it's me getting old, but that seems to have turned around that this doesn't do it for me now, like the moments I have alone with him. I believe that that's a part of that route that we take, that the the moments with him, the personal with him, become life-giving to who we are. Amen? But you've got to know where your Bible is to enjoy that, all right? 
Now, a big part of this is we're pupils and scholars. <clears throat> Here's two verses. This is the invitation of God in uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That's conversion. That's salvation. That's the invitation of the gospel. Life killing you, life wearing you out, come to Jesus. And uh, he, he will, he's there for you if you're weary or you're burdened. And he said, I will give you rest. No, no, what happens next in verse 29? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Okay, come to me. That's important. We preach the gospel. We help people to come to God. But the very next thing that Jesus says is learn of me. Learn of me. So in that statement, you have conversion, salvation, but you also have discipleship and transformation. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls. Well, apparently, finding rest for your souls is learning about him. I'm only saying what's on the screen. Learn of me, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Also love the verse that we used, (coughs) excuse me, in the vision statement, where it says in Colossians, So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord... Moment of conversion, thief on the cross. Now continue to live your lives in him, the road of the fisherman. But we're walking with him in this life, not just the one to come. I went to the cinema this week with my lovely wife, Gina, to watch Chosen. Have we got any Chosen fans? Couple? All right. Some of you need to get out more. It's really good. I know it's on TV and it's a free, uh, fun-driven thing, but they put episode one and two of series four on the screen at The View. And I must admit, me and Gina went there. Now, I'm 59. Thursday, I turned 59. We were like teenagers in there. Um, compared, you know, it was amazing. We looked around and we're like, wow, we're the youngest people here. But that saddened my heart because the story of Chosen is amazing. It gives a personality to Jesus and helps you think, what was it like to follow him in those days? And I love that. And when I'm watching it, I'm imagining, what would I have done? If I, I don't have to imagine. I follow the same Jesus today. And it wasn't about the dramatic moments in Chosen that involved the crowd. It was about the personal conversations that caused them to be changed. In the episodes that are coming, let me ruin it for you. It's all about um, that whole verse of how many times do you forgive your brother? And it's done really powerfully between um, Peter and, and Matthew. There you go, ruined that. Now you've got to go sit. <coughs> now, <coughs> we've got to make sure that we're committed to being learners. And that means that we keep our L plates on. Image? Image? There we go. There we go. Let me make it a little bit more dramatic for you. We've got to make sure that we're not just people that have been converted, but we're committed to being learners. Now, when you take a driving test, normally you get your L plate, you throw it away. Um, And that's not bad if you know how to drive, but every parent knows you don't actually start to learn to drive teenager until you've passed your test. That's why none of my kids will ever get bought an expensive BMW. Um, They'll be lucky to get anything out of me, actually. But um, they'll borrow my Kia, if anything, because I don't mind that getting dense. Because the reality is you haven't learned everything. You just think you 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 have. And then they come home, sorry, I scratched it. Well, there you go. B-I-N-G-O. I had a dog and its name was Bingo. There you go. Now, the problem with a lot of Christians is they take their L plates off. 
The only reason that you should take your L plate off is to put a P plate on. Because an L plate is what you will use when you're first learning. And L plates really belong to every person that's just discovering Christ, learning the foundations, learning who they are in Christ, learning the message and the boast of the cross. But we actually should never take off something that speaks of learning in our lives. But sometimes I believe that as Christians, we move from L plates to P plates. And actually, P plates to me are more exciting because you don't legally have to wear them. You choose to. See, an L plate, you have to wear an L plate if you're learning. A P plate is your choice. Listen to what it says about P plates according to... Careful. <coughs> P plates, according to Google, the knowledge the source of all knowledge. Listen, unlike L plates, that's that one, it is not a legal requirement for drivers to display green probationary P plates. That's what the P stands for. Did you know that? Probationary. L is learner. I can't teach you everything, but I'll try. P means probationary, which means you're committed to continued learning. I want to wear P plates until I see him face to face. I may have moved through elementary learnings, but I'm only ever going to replace the L plate for a P plate. And to me, the P plates, in some ways, are more powerful because it's my choice if I wear one and keep one on the car in my life. P plates can be voluntarily displayed to show that you have passed your driving test you can dis- that display P plates on your vehicle for as long as you like. And that's official according to Google. You can drive around with a green P plate on your car all of your life. I want to keep a green P plate on my life until I see him face to face. That's what we're trying to stir within. Now, it's exciting because it's a choice thing. And when we talk about learning, I'm going to take this off, okay? I know some of you like my bling, but I'm going to take that off there. I want to keep my P plates or my L plates because I'm always back in a place where I'm learning again. Anybody else? I just when I think I just need a, a green one, all of a sudden God says, no, you need to stick your red one on. You've never learned this. So I'm like, I'm in between two plates, so I'm going to double bling the L and the P in my life, all right? Now, in doing that, I'm saying, God, I want to keep, keep a teachable heart. I want to keep on growing. Um, You know, the moment you think you know everything, you start to learn. The problem is that a lot of people stop learning when they think they know everything. That's actually the moment. It's amazing as a young preacher, if I could recall all the old early Andy videos of me preaching, I would pay people for them. Uh, Because the kid thought he knew a lot, but he really didn't know much at all. The more you walk with the Lord, you're convinced with what you don't know. And if you've got a hunger to learn, you keep on growing. Amen. Is this okay? We good? Now, when we look at um, being a disciple, it's not just about what we do together. Praise God for gathering together. Let's not forsake the assembling of the saints. The Bible encourages us about our gatherings. But it's also about empowering our scatterings, who we are when no one's looking. It's a lifestyle, not a project. Now, disciples pay a greater cost to experience a greater reward. Often people look at those who are choosing to be disciples and they're like, oh, poor people, that's made life hard for them. 
No, no, wrong perspective. You're looking at the cost, not the reward. You're looking at what they're paying, not what God's giving back to them. See, disciples, in my opinion, get a better experience of a walk with God than those that just attend church. Both are brilliant. Both will get you to heaven. But one will get you to heaven, a different person that you were than when you met him. That's what I want to walk. Anybody else? Good. Now, the crowd will look at the cost of being a disciple. Disciples look at the rewards and the better experience. Jesus invites everyone to be a disciple. But only some choose to step out of the crowd of church as normal into a richer experience. The rich young ruler um, and the fisherman and the doctor and the tax man all had the same offer. Jesus loved the rich young ruler, but it wasn't a different deal. Now, what a great life, rich young ruler. You know, at my point of age, I'd pretty much take any three of those. Uh, anyone, anyone else, you know, they're pretty good, you know. Jesus was doing his thing with the marvelettes, that's his disciples. And he was doing over here, the disciples were marveling. And the rich young ruler <coughs> is in the crowd and he's watching Jesus and the interaction of him and his disciples. And something within the rich young ruler said, I am missing out. FOMO, big FOMO, big FOMO. I want to hear what they're hearing. I want to see what they're seeing. I want to experience what they're experiencing. And so he voices this and says, Jesus, I want to be a part of your team. I want to be a marvelette. And Jesus turns to him and says, absolutely, absolutely. There's a place for you at the table. Here's the cost. And he speaks about the rich young ruler leaving the thing that held him, which for him was money. Jesus didn't make that a one-size-fits-all for everybody. He spoke uniquely to the thing that had a grip on that young man and would always have a grip on that young man. And he said, pay the cost, leave it, and you can have everything you're seeing. And it says that he couldn't because of the grip of wealth on his life. And Jesus was sad when he looked at the guy. And I think he was sad because he thought, if only... If only you'd known. Anybody old enough to remember Bullseye? (laughs) Look what you could have (laughs) won. Not making Jesus into Jim Bowen, because Jim Bowen was a very ugly-looking person. And Jesus, if you watch Chosen, is very, very good-looking. Very good-looking. But if you're old enough to watch Bullseye, um, it's hilarious. The person was filled with choices of which prize he took. And there was an ultimate prize. And sometimes he would settle for a lesser prize. And... At the end of it, it became a phrase that Jim Bowen would go, it's beautiful that you got this holiday in Bognor Regis. It's beautiful that you get to use my caravan in my back garden for a few weeks. Oh, wait a moment. Look what you could have won. And he pulls the curtain and reveals the grand prize. I think this is a little bit of a Jim Bowen moment. But Jesus said, absolutely, enjoy the life I blessed you with. The health you've got, the wealth you've got, it all came from me. You had nothing I didn't give you. This is what you could have won. And I think that would have been a regret in his life. I just personally do. Now, I want to tease you. I want to aggravate you. If that means you don't like me, let's just straighten this out. I don't care. I want to aggravate you to want more of God. I want to irritate you. I want to be grass seed down the back of your shirt to get you scratching. There's more. Yeah, there's more. I'm missing out. Absolutely. FOMO. FOMO. 
that you would say, I'm leaving my crowd experience or what I've known this far, which has been brilliant, for something even better. All right, let me tease you further. Let's look at some of the comparisons, all right, between the experience of um, somebody that says, I just want to get on with my life. I've got a section called God, and it's called Sunday, and all right, then I'll go to a small group, but that's about it. I don't even know where I last left my Bible, but I'm all right. I'm going to heaven. Yes, you are. Absolutely, you are, because it's based in your faith in what Jesus did, not your performance. But then you get the person that just says, I want more. I want more, like a kid in the sweet shop. Like Augustus Gloop in Willy Wonka's factory just wants everything. I want to be Augustus Gloop. I want to be the one that dives in the chocolate lake um, of the things of God, you know. If there be any gluttony in me, let, me, let it be for him. Amen. Now, here's some of the comparisons, just to tease you a little bit. Crowds count costs. There's about ten of them. Crowds count costs. Disciples look at rewards. It's not about what this is going to cost, it's what I'm going to get for stepping out. Crowds visit, disciples abide. Crowds come to meetings, disciples abide in the vine and the vine abides in them. Their walk with God isn't about a corporate experience alone. Number three, crowds go to church, disciples know they are the church. Like what Stuart was sharing, what would happen in evangelism if when we leave this building, we have a greater revelation that we never went to church, we are the church that gathered with the church. That means that we would take the church to our community. We would take the church. It wouldn't be freaky. Can I tell you about Jesus? It wouldn't be cheesy. It would be natural. Let me tell you about the one who changed my life. Let me tell you. The church suddenly begins to invade the world instead of the world watching the church, not knowing what's going on behind the walls. Just a thought. I want to give you something to talk about over dinner, all right? Let, come on, let's, let's get some conversations going there. Crowds inspect fruit, disciples bear fruit. My experience of a lot of crowds are, yeah, I can tell you something about him. You see what he did? Calls himself Christian. Yeah? I heard this about him. Well, did you talk to him about what you heard? Often, people that just have an attendance mindset of God are really busy judging others. And they don't understand in judging others, most of the time they're judging themselves. They're taking out on someone else something that they're in conflict with within their own life. Now, disciples are too busy to be judging everyone. We're not fruit inspectors. We're people desperate to bear more. If you are my disciples, you will bear much fruit, fruit that remains and glorifies him, John 15. Come on, I don't want to be obsessed with what I think other people are doing when I don't know the moccasins they're walking in or the issues that they're wading through. I want to just be a blessing to people and get on with what God's told me to do. Number five, crowds are there for what they can get. Disciples are there for what they can become. Now, I remember reading in the Gospels, regularly reading in the Gospels, those moments where Jesus turns up and the crowd are there. They followed him. They followed him from this place. They followed him from Capernaum, his hometown, his ministry base, to Tiberias. He goes over here. The crowd has followed him. They're in the boats. But the crowd are more often than not just saying, give us, do for us. Show us another miracle. Hey, miracle man, I missed the last one. Show me again. 
my auntie, my uncle. My the crowd are there because humanity outside of Christ is inherently self-absorbed. All right? They're there, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. All right? Disciples are there. I want to become something. I want to become something. Now, <clears throat> I remember having a conversation with the Lord, and I believe he answered me. It could have been wrong. could have been cheese, but I'm pretty sure it was the Lord. And I said, didn't they ever irritate you, Jesus? Reading the Gospels, didn't they ever, ever irritate you? Every time you left your, your, you know, your, your campfire, Jesus, Jesus, over here, do this for us, do this for us. Come on, Jesus, do it again. Another miracle. Two over here, Jesus. I said, didn't they ever, didn't you ever say, God, help me. Father, what, what? And I really felt the Lord say, well, no, because I had another ministry over here where I was building disciples. My fulfillment was in their progress, which left me free to be able to bless anyone in my life that I bump into. And for me, that's really been a reward in my life. My fulfillment is in seeing other people walk in discipleship, which means any time I'm near a crowd, I'll give myself away. Don't care. Want some more? Have as much as you want. But you've got to have those two things happening in a church. Disciples being grown and crowd being blessed. Amen? Okay. Uh, crowds get to watch miracles. Disciples get to handle them. Which one would you want? You never read about a crowd being involved in a miracle. But you have these wonderful stories of how Jesus spent a year raising disciples, showing them how to do it. A year doing it with them. And then a year watching them do it. I want to be, that's more fun. People go, I'm leaving church. Christianity's boring. No, you're boring. (laughs) Face it. Don't want any husbands or wives looking at each other right now. (laughs) You're boring. The Bible doesn't say you must be bored again. It says you must be born again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't go there. It's so boring. What, are you a teenager? (laughs) Grow up. I'm leaving this. I'm going to leave a mess with you, Steve. Is that all right? Steve, Kirsty, a few pastoral meetings this week, all right? Come on. I read about the disciples, and they were like, they're in that wonderful moment where, where Jesus says, hey, we're going to feed a few people, a few thousand people. Um, what have we got? Picnic, lunch. They've seen him do it before, and uh, he's got a few fish, he's got a few bread, and he says, get them all seated in 50s and stuff like that. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's watch Jesus do it. Didn't, little did they know what was coming. And Jesus said, have you got them all seated? Yeah, good. You feed them. <laughs> See, they just crossed that third year of now Jesus was saying, now you do it. Yeah. With the authority I'm giving you, greater things will you do. And so they go out with the fish and the bread. And they've just got, look. But when they start to give it away, it doesn't go down. Yeah. Thousands are eating it. And it doesn't go down. That didn't happen in the hands of Jesus. He prayed, blessed the bread, released them. The miracle happened when they gave out the bread and the fish. Oh, I want to be handling miracles, don't you? Not just witnessing them. Witnessing is is amazing. I want to be handling them. I want God to use my hands to continue to heal sick people. I want God to use my mouth to bring a prophetic word that saves a marriage or saves a life. I, I, I want to be used by God. I don't just want to sing along somewhere in the corner. All right. Crowds watch miracles. Disciples get the hand of them. Crowds get business as usual. Disciples get adventures and stories. Come on. When you read about the disciples, 
So often we read the disciples, but we try to live vicariously through their experience instead of saying, God, give me my own. I'm like, don't don't you read it and go, God, I want to be in prison, beaten, whipped, left naked, shipwrecked. I want some. I know Stuart does. He's up for some of that. He's like, he's like, ah, hey. When I go to conferences and speak, I was at a missions conference in America. We had like eight or nine hundred, and they basically said, "Andy, tell us stories." I said, "Oh, let me tell you the one where the first time I cast the devil out of someone. Let me tell you the one where a boykers turned up in Salisbury, and the whole lot of them got born again when God did a miracle in the guy's spine. Let me tell you about the guy, and he had an eye going that way. And I said, "Bring all your family tomorrow night," and they all came. I thought, "No, that wasn't meant to happen," and I prayed for him, and his eye went, and they all got saved. I want stories. I want my own adventures. The disciples get adventures and beatings and whippings and, and imprisonments. But remember, he always says blessings with persecutions. We just want half a package sometimes. Right? Okay, uh, what else have we got? Oh, here's a good one. Crowds hear messages, disciples get insights. He said, no, he's fair to everyone. No, he's not. I don't know where you came up with this socialist Jesus, but he's really not. He's really not. He took away from the one who had nothing and gave it to the one who had ten. That messes some people up. Or their image of him. Well, maybe we stop trying to bring him down to be like us and we start to look up to become like him. Come on. God is God. And sometimes he does stuff and we go, I don't get that. Now... You say, well, that's all very well, but show me it in the Bible. Thank you for asking. Mark 4, you read about Jesus telling the parable. He used a lot of parables, real simple speaker, yet profound. However you chose to understand determined the amount you got out. The depth that you wanted it to engage with God got different things from the book everyone was reading. See, walking with God, it's like if you cut an onion down the middle and you have two corresponding layers looking at each other. Some people choose to remain on a surface level, so God is only ever able to speak to them on a surface level. It's not because he can't speak deeper. They can't hear him. But yet the Bible says deep calls unto deep. When we begin to come down, God, I want... I'm reading verses now, even this morning. I'm reading verses I've read thousands of times, going, I've never seen that. Oh, God, that's awesome. You see, you come down a layer as a disciple, and God begins to use the same book to speak things at a depth in you that you never heard because you couldn't hear before. That's exciting, right? Excites me. Now, crowds hear messages, disciples. So Jesus is teaching this parable. La, la, la. There's, there's a seed. There's different types of soil. The seed was perfect, incorruptible. The soil was the issue. Here's different. And the disciples are like scratching their heads. Now, it says in Mark 4, 34... He, that is Jesus, did not say anything to them without using a parable or a story. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. That's good, isn't it? That the crowd were blessed, limited in their blessing by their hunger of understanding. The layer they wanted to walk with, with him. But the disciples, when they got away from the crowd, they went, four types of soil, stony, thorny, what was that? What were you saying? And Jesus said, all right, you nutcases, sit down, get some ears to hear, let me unpack it for you. Notice he didn't do that with the crowd. 
I want to be sitting at his feet. I want to be understanding his word more than I've ever understood it. Okay, crowd step back in times of challenge. Disciples step up and move forward. People quit. When they're just crowd, you just quit. Don't come anymore. Come back when you're ready. Disciples can't do that. We step up. The same stuff that happens to the unrighteous happens to the righteous. The same issues that happen to the person next to you will happen to you. We all go through different things, yet we choose to respond differently. I love it when Jesus is upsetting a few people and he's saying, here's a good catchy message. It's called drink my blood, eat my body. And it says some of the disciples, not the sinners, said this is too hard to bear. Your leadership, we're done with it now. And he he didn't go, oh, sorry, did I go too far? Because he knew who he was. He knew from where he came, what he was here to do and where he was going afterwards. And he turns to his disciples and they're going to him, you're upsetting some people, Jesus. Your leadership is upsetting some people, Jesus. And he says, how about you? Are you going to? He wasn't arrogant. He was confident. He knew why God had sent him. Now, in moments where something challenges you, it's easy to step back and say, done it, got the T-shirt. Disciples don't. They step in and say, I ain't going anywhere. And this is what the disciples said to him. Where can we go? Your words are life. When we're with you, we feel alive. When we go with you, wherever you're going. Notice that Jesus used to just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going that way. Who's coming? There was an absence of board meetings. He said, I'm going this way. Are you coming? And they said, this is really inconvenient. But how we felt when we're with you, no one makes us feel like that. I want that to be my walk with Jesus in my everyday life. All right, let's bring this in for a landing. Crowds know whatever will be, will be. Again, some of the older ones will relate with me on that more than some of the younger ones. I'm getting this nickname at the moment. If you ever saw the film, The Shotgun Preacher, some are beginning to call me the jukebox preacher. (laughs) Because they said it's like, just these songs keep bursting out, you know. That's an old one, Doris Day. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. What a load of rubbish. (laughs) Disciples live in revealed calling. They know who saved them, and they know what they're on the earth to do. We're called with a holy calling. God has called each and every one of us for a purpose on the earth. Disciples walk in calling, even though it's confusing. Boy, talk to me. Sometimes you've got one step ahead and you're like, I need to know the next 20. (laughs) And God says, I've got to apologize to a book full of people if I do that for you. Abraham stepped out not knowing where he was going, but he knew he was called. Moses was terrified. They all had issues, every one of them. Every one of them, just like us. But they chose to say, I'll take the next step. Because they knew the calling of God on their life. Your church leaders aren't the only one called in this room. Every one of you 
have been born and positioned and there's a God calling and purpose for your life. Disciples say, I want to know it. (laughs) I desperately want to know it. Crowd, on the way home from church, whatever will be, will be. I have no authority over my life. What happens next? I'm just going with it, man. It's your choice. There's a better way. All right. George is on the keyboard, which means wind up now, Andy. People have got dinners. It's so polite, isn't it? It it, is, isn't it? It's like, Andy, shut up. We want to go home and eat. That's not you, George. I know you're only a man under authority. We got kids in kids' church. The kids' church workers are going to kill us if we don't get the kids out of here. Hey, I'm a local church man. I get it. I'm only being funny. Believe me, I'm far from offended. I do it often myself. Here's the application. Because to me, being a crowd of disciples is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. This year, as we focus on being rooted, as we focus on being disciples, followers and learners, let's all make a decision to take another step away from the crowd experience to the disciple experience. Let's walk with the church where it's going not just come and watch where it's going the church is a body it's a journey together Jesus Christ has called you to go somewhere in heaven it's wonderful to come and watch and every journey starts with watching but it's much more fun being a part of a journey why not if you're not in a smaller learning community like a connect group Get information today. Talk to one of the pastors, talk to one of the leaders and say, all right, I want to now increase my experience of God with a small group connection. Why not sign up for any programs of training that are on the hub? I thought that was brilliant. I love that hub. And well done, Steve. That's amazing. I think it's going to be a really good resource to the church. Yeah, give him a clap. Why not? Come on. And then be investing in yourselves. God, I don't claim to be here. (laughs) When I think I am here, I meet a saint and I realise I'm only here. But I know I'm not where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I was when I started. It may be inch by inch rather than mile by mile, but I'm moving. I'm moving to become more rooted in you than I've ever been. Would you just close your eyes with me at the close of this service? Like I said, some of you I know we've done a lot of life together. Others, I'm just getting to know you and this is maybe the first time of meeting me and it's my first time of meeting you. But I want to make sure that everyone in this room, under the sound of my voice, has had an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. If you want to walk with him after, that's your choice. But this really should be a non-negotiable. Do you belong to Jesus? Have you received him into your life? Have you made him the Lord of your life? Let's pray this together, haven't? Ready? All together. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my issue of sin bring me into the family of God 
to give me a brand new beginning, a fresh start. I believe in you, Jesus. You are the Son of God and the King of a kingdom. I want to be in your kingdom. I believe. That's why every eye's closed, every head's bowed. If you don't know where you stand with him today, like Stuart said, it's the analogy of careful when you cross the road. You, you don't have to fear crossing the road. You don't have to fear the truck coming out of nowhere. But you've got to receive him. If you've never prayed that prayer, if you've been away from God, you need to get right with God today. When I count to three, if that's you, just lift your hand. One, two, three, right now. God bless you, I see that hand. Is there a second person? You say, me too. You've got nothing to lose, you've got everything to gain. What if I'm wrong? Yeah, but what if I'm right? What if this moment is a pinnacle moment, a turning moment for the rest of your life? Is there anybody else? I've seen the response of one person that said, yeah, that's me, Andy. Is there a second one, a third one, a fourth one? Anybody else under the sound of my voice? You've got nothing to lose, you've got everything to gain. Father, I thank you for the honest response of this lady. Pour into her life like the windows have been opened. Your holy presence turning everything around. Father, we thank you today that we purpose to be those who are rooted, those who choose discipleship. Even if we're scared, if we're worried, if we don't know what happens next, we choose the road of the fishermen. Lord, I just speak a blessing over Haven Family Church over the leaders, protection over the leaders, protection over every family, every man, woman and child. Father, just as you watch over Israel and Lord, just as they naturally put over Israel that, that, that golden dome that can't be penetrated by missiles, I thank you, Father, that you put that supernatural protection over these people and cause them to find you in brand new ways. And all God's people said, Amen.